Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. I'm Paul Reismandel. My name is Eric Klein. I love radio and I love sound. My name is Jennifer Waits and ditto. <laughs> ditto. On today's episode, we're going to dig in on radio and podcasting. Uh, little nuts and bolts here. So definitely, I think this is something for the editor, the wannabe editor, the producer, uh, folks who are really, you know, trying to hone their skills in podcasting and radio production. But I think we're also going to be able to touch on things I think would be interest of interest to anyone as a listener, too. I think sometimes it's nice to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit to talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts, not in dry terms. I I but, do, you know, I do believe that if you are a listener to a community radio station or a fan of a college radio station or someone who loves a radio station, that knowing what the work that goes into it, the more you yeah. know about how producers do their job, the more you can appreciate uh, what you have. Yeah. So we're going to like dig literacy. In, we're going to dig into the philosophies of editing. And this is something which uh, Eric wrote up for Radio Survivor, but it's also sort of based on a panel discussion that you participated in at the Grassroots Radio Conference That's here right. in Portland, Oregon uh, in October of 2018. And we'll also go on a little tour of high school radio stations in the Seattle area, in the Puget Sound area. Jennifer's going to take, going to tell us about three stations she had an opportunity to visit. And it seems like high school radio there in the Puget Sound area is vibrant, super vibrant. It is, yeah. More stations there than in many places. So, of course, I had to visit them. So we'll be getting to that a little later on in the show. And, uh, you know, along the way, we'll, we'll be talking about some about podcasting as we sit here and like get we started do. in 2019. Yeah. Where, the, the state of podcasting is strong. Yes, I think this, and I think the state of grassroots podcasting, community podcasting, right. always looked over when they uh, when they write the big think pieces in the big newspapers. Yes, and and as we as we record today on the eighteenth of January, twenty nineteen, tonight, iHeartRadio is having their very first ever podcasting awards. Good for them, <laughs> because if you want somebody giving out podcast awards you want to you want it to be the largest radio conglomerate Is this where we're starting United today States? with a little bit of shade how fun <laughs> well first and foremost uh in case the listeners are new to being radio nerds i'm going to plant my flag and talk about just how much anyone who loves radio deeply loves radio like we do um has a special dark place in their dark dark hearts for what iHeartRadio has done to the medium at large. Formerly known as Clear Channel. Part, just part of that um, massive, you know, a, a, a credible argument could be made that one of the reasons why all of the generations following Gen X care not for what is on terrestrial radio is because of the, the terrible, blundering, tomfoolery, job-cutting, that yeah. iHeartRadio. Hoovering radio, up radio stations, firing staff. Making uh, radio suck. Uh, 
homogenizing the programming to extract the very last bit of profits out and then realizing they'd ruin the business in the process. So, you know, what the, you know, radio Not sounds... Not to put too fine of a point yeah, on it. Radio sounds less good because of the work that the executives the, the at thing- iHeartRadio... Formerly known as Clear and Channel, and maybe not the current executives. I, right. I will. I mean, there you go. They, they are the folks who who have the most blood on their hands have all taken their leave by and large. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, so blame where blame is due here. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, but at the same time, yes, it definitely is the company overall that pioneered that were the grand pioneers of the consolidate and ruin uh, paradigm in commercial radio. So there's that one side. <laughs> How's that for the setup? There's that one side. On the other side, though, we continuously see, I think, lots of interesting and innovative programming happening in yeah. podcasting. Well, and iHeartRadio's done a lot of interesting uh, internet radio. Uh, you know, they've they've gone into that. Yes, and 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 if you listen with to both a, feet, both feet first. You and know? if you listen to an iHeart station ever right now in the last three months, you've learned that they're hosting the. Producing the Ron Burgundy podcast. Huh. Ah, uh, there you go. So you know, there you go. Uh, for for people who have not seen the the, the movies Anchorman, uh, that is the lead character played by Will Ferrell, now has a podcast. I've not heard it yet. I don't think it actually well, debuts to the end of the month. Hmm. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the a large promotional cutout poster of Ron Burgundy is a staple of many radio stations, <laughs> yeah. college radio stations That's that right. I visited. That's right, because it was like promo, right? Because they, they thought this is completely right for a college-aged audience. And so they... Uh, yeah, so it got sent to a lot of stations. And it's so huge that, of course, they put it in their library. My question and- is, have they been decorated or, or, or defaced? Some of them. Sure. (laughs) iHeartRadio, also, they're doing a lot of podcasts now with their stable of radio radio celebrities. And it's, you know, you would would assume that those radio celebrities with with their nationally known radio programs are now going to be drawing in new yeah podcast and, and audiences that is a good thing. no I, and that's a great way for of, podcasts of, overall i think that's a great way of, of putting a, a unless they expect i mean i think what we're going to see in 2019 is is an overall growth in that podcast audience right yeah. and I, i've heard some people who were who are coming into podcasting or even been in podcasting for a while in a more grassroots a more kind of independent kind of way often lament that they feel like, Oh no, I'm getting squeezed out. There's not going to be, there's not any audience for me here. And I think I can understand that perception because if we go back, turn back the clock eight to 10 years ago, it certainly seemed or felt like if you made a podcast, uh, the opportunity that you might be at the top of the iTunes chart or something was greater. But we also have to sort of uh, also acknowledge at that time uh, the overall podcasting audience was significantly smaller, right? So it was definitely a smaller pond. And so there's more opportunity. And, and so the relative sizes here, the relative audiences right. are, are also going to adjust. And I think as more people come in, it means you really are going to have more opportunity for listeners and to grow right. a show and to reach people. And hopefully it, it just won't seem as big when you comp- if you're trying to compare yourself to people, this American life. For people who love podcasts, hopefully also more ways to measure success than than what has typically been regarded right. as uh, these are the top 100 podcasts. These are the important. These are the ones that are winning and the rest don't matter. I think, I mean, that's always really, it's a terrible way to measure right. the worth of, of a piece of radio. I think that's why it's a great time for us to talk 
about this philosophy of editing, because I think this is something which doesn't get maybe talked about enough in podcasting and radio. People perceive often listening to some podcasts that are in that sort of public radio style, whether it's like a radio lab or This American Life, right? It's very clear there's a lot of editing afoot, often very fine editing, meaning that, you know, a, a lot of work goes in. And I think what people don't always realize is that even on more sort of quotidian or weekly podcasts, podcasts that don't have huge budgets, uh, there's also editing. And there's also a way of taking, you know, even, even a conversation podcast and kind of nipping and tucking. And, and, and to me also something here, you know, that I would love you to talk a little bit about, Eric, mm-hmm. is I think having worked with you now for going on, th- going on three, all going on four years on this, on this show, I see how you, you edit before we turn the mics on. Yeah, I mean that it sounded when you were talking about radio programs that are that are conversations that appear not to be edited. The first thing I thought of was that um, the nicest way to edit them is to plan your conversation to to remove the need for editing by having a little bit of preparation about how you're gonna you know proceed down the path of having that conversation. But after that, um, there's there are a lot of choices to be made. The thing that you taught me. And, and, and it's a lesson that we, we practice to this day, but I think it's one of the most important things you've taught me is uh, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Hmm. You know, podcasters sort of have been often infamous for having a lot of miscellaneous chit chat in the lead up to the core content why of what's are, going why on. Why are radio producers so very lonely? <laughs> they have, they have, like, do, don't, you should call your mom and talk to your mom and tell her how you've been. And then record your podcast and leave all that stuff out about how your day was. <laughs> yeah. And, and Or unless your podcast is with your mom. And, that's and then almost, put that stuff at the top. That's almost that, pacing That's sort of what we do, radio. right? Yeah. No, it's exactly what Survivor. we do. Yeah. And that's, that's all Eric, right? And I feel like that's almost a leftover from talk radio. And not talk radio like necessarily like a, like a conservative talk as it's turned out, but like your Howard Stern shows. He had four um, hours to fill, right, every yeah, day? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Or even like um, the kind of shows that you hear, and I think they still exist in, in sort of big market AM radio and like a WGN or WLS. We have like a dot drive time show. It's a few hosts. It's some light interviews. It's they have one producer who maybe booked one guest. Yeah, but maybe not that. You day. know, but it's you know, and so the format rolls along. But they also just it's a lot of chit chat because you're not assuming somebody's tunes in at three p.m. and tunes out at seven. You're assuming people are hopping into their car at you know five oh seven and they're stuck on the freeway until six twenty five and they get home and they and they're not they're likely not going to sit in their car waiting for the next thing to happen. It's just there to pass the time and podcasts. I think more so, I mean, certainly people do listen to them to pass the time, but there's this attention, you know, there's attention economy. I would certainly just want to say that there's always going to be the exception to this idea. There's always going to be the podcast host where the only reason we're tuning in is to share time with them and they can uh, tell us about their day and tell us what tweets annoyed them and 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 yell at the moon or or even celebrate that tv show that they liked and and that's the whole reason but that takes personality tuning in or i mean i mean in a certain way or 
I mean, but sometimes we're just not there for it. And even mapping this back on to to broadcast, to terrestrial radio, right? To where we're working within a schedule. We're working with a clock. Right. You know, and so if you're talking, let's say, about a, a show on a, on a public college community radio station where you maybe you have an hour to fill and it. So, you know, it's unlikely you're going to have a three hour talk show probably anymore yeah. on, on any of these stations. So probably an hour, half an hour. I really love the half an hour interview with one guest Mm -hmm. i think it's one of the best formats why do you say that i don't know it's just there's something about it i think it works really well i think it's extremely community radio oriented it's not the kind of conversation you get at all on commercial uh, media this half but it's also um it's still a very short amount of time it turns out like you know 20 26 minutes to talk to one person you really do have to um you can really only talk about, say, three things. And you really want to dive in. Yeah. Right? You want to make the most of there's that an, time. And there's an urgency, right? So at some point, because there's only 29 minutes to the conversation, um, you do have a map, uh, an outline about how you're doing that interview. You might uh, uh, jump on top of what your guest is saying when they go off into one tangent to bring them back onto your, you know, there's also something to be said now that I've gone out on a limb and said I love the half an hour subject for the three hour ramble with the right guest. Um, that's what's so wonderful about the internet is that it has room for both. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think though, in all cases, respecting the listener, yeah, where they're coming in, and on a podcast, most likely they're coming in at the very top because because it's an on demand but yet still linear format. Yeah, they're unlikely coming in in the middle, whereas on radio. They may be coming in in the middle, yeah. and so respecting them there as well, which we do here on because we we coexist in the middle ground between podcast and radio show, yeah, resetting, really letting people know what's going on. You're listening to Radio Survivor. My name is Eric Klein. I'm here with Jennifer Waits and Paul Reese Mandel, and we're talking about uh, the things that we love about radio and podcasting, and 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 the philosophies of editing. And the philosophies so making, of editing said making this stuff right. in a way that that makes it, I think, friendly to the listener. And and I I I guess this is the way I think about it because yeah the the idea here is you know there is certainly room for experimentation and being avant garde and being annoying and such but most of the time I think people are really well looking and you for can this be avant garde and not annoying too yeah. there, right. there you are right <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an exceptionally good point um, but I think what we're mostly talking about is you know folks who are looking to build audience looking to make connections really when we talk about build audience it's not just this one kind of like it's yeah. not like collection it's not like uh, it's not like getting together a bank. It's about building community. It's yeah. about co- building connections uh, with people and maybe between them as a result of, of what you do and welcoming them in. You know, it's warming things up a little bit, but also making sure people know why they've tuned in, what they're listening to, and have that opportunity also, frankly, to decide whether or not they're interested in it, whether or not it's something they they want to listen to, because everyone does that, you know? I don't think it's a good practical sense to sucker people into listening to your show, right? Like that's what they do with the li- the local nightly news, right? They wait to tell you the weather until 22 minutes in. They wait till sports until 23 minutes in, right? They m- want you to sit through until you get the two things that How everyone came for. How is the local for. nightly news doing these days? Just- did the, are, they writing, are they writing think pieces about how no. millennials are killing the local nightly news? As long as they're still uh, boomers and Gen Xers alive, they're fine. Uh, <laughs> that's a short story. 
you know, in a podcast, we don't want to fool people into sticking around. Plus, I mean, you know, on a podcast, they, if, if there's something they know coming at the end of the show, they can scroll, right? You can yeah. you can scan right through. So there's no point right. in, in, in hiding what's going on. Tell people right up front what, what's happening. And I think that that's, that's a great lesson that, that you've taught me in terms of thinking about the show before the show. But then, you know, then you record it. <laughs> We've recorded, you know, maybe you recorded a show like we're doing today where the three of us are getting together for a conversation. Maybe it's there's an interview or two that mm-hmm. that, that that you're that you're going to go through. What is your approach? How, how do you how do you try to, to, to take something that's mostly going to live in its current linear form? Like yeah. there won't be major surgery happening. And yet you're going to try and and maybe make it friendlier. Right. Well, I tried to write down. Uh, where I'm coming from because a lot of it comes just from uh, the experience of doing it. Uh, I got advice once here on the podcast from a radio producer friend that uh, the best way to learn how to edit something is just to uh, have to do those four hours of work or 10 hours of work to edit down your one hour interview down to 20 minutes. Um, It also gives you, as uh, Brian Nord Secret, my friend who gave me this advice, said it, it because you have to do that work now the next time you do an interview you have new skills to connect mm-hmm. with that person live because you had to do the work to edit out those other things that needed to be edited out now you don't have to say those things but where do you start where do you start well you listen through you listen to it if you have time uh, what are you listening for it's difficult to say i mean for one thing you edit out mistakes and that's easy enough um, and, and mistakes are, you know, on the one hand, they're grand mistakes. I suppose the part where like someone stops and says, no, let me start over yeah. or loses their track or like, you know, just we step over our own tongues and we're, we completely lose it. Well, it all depends. I mean, it's also it all it comes down to how much time you have. And so it go, it depends on what hole you're, as they say, when they're making a radio show, you, you know, if you have five minutes, that's the five minute hole. If you have 10 minutes or 12 minutes. So it, it, it all depends on what your show is. And there's a certain value that um, is fun to think about in making those holes smaller and smaller or bigger and bigger. And in podcasting, the hardest part is that there yeah. are no rules. No one says it every, can be three hours. Yeah, it can be three hours. It can be. Uh, but when you do the work to get things down to a shorter amount of time, um, I guess it it just matters what you were trying to what story you were trying so to tell. Let me ask you uh-huh. you know and this, this is your opinion as much as anything else we do an hour because we are a syndicated radio show at this point so our our affiliates have a 59 minute hole mm-hmm. so we make sure to deliver them that 59 minutes to fill that hole um before that we before when we were only a podcast we had you know we could have had a four hour hole but why choose that you know the 45 minutes or even the the 80 minutes over the 120 or the uh, 360? Well, uh, it's there's just something to be said for media. There's a reason why we like it. And, you know, it's it's mediated. It's We're not getting the whole, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I actually, I can't put it into words. You know, podcasts, I mean, Jennifer, I don't, I don't know if you have any sense of this, even just coming at it from either radio or podcasting. You know, I mean, it, it feels like people have time to dedicate, right? I think. And different people have different amounts of time, but there seems there's always sort of upper limits, right? I know right. that there are there are like three hour podcasts that I will listen to sometimes, but sometimes I just don't even want to get into it. 
Well, and, and things, you know, I feel like attention spans are decreasing, and so are people increase. I always, I, I always question that. I, yeah. I, I hear that all the time, and I, I, and yet, you know, you go to see a Marvel movie, and and the damn thing is three hours long, nearly, right? right. And pe- kids are sitting there for for those three hours watching things blow up perpetually, um, right? And we have long form pieces, you know, long form written pieces that that people will make their way through. Or they binge watch, you know, an entire season of The Good Place, you know, in in the course of twenty four hours. I, I I don't always know that, that that attention spans are decreasing, but I do think there's a lot of demands on our attention, and you know, certainly that plays into it. And being able to pay attention to something for a long time means, to some extent, you're not paying attention to something else that may really right. demand and your I, and attention. I think, I think Eric might have said like people. Or maybe both of you said people make a decision pretty quickly about if they want to continue watching or listening or reading a certain item. So, yeah, you know, you want to make make a point as to why it's worth somebody's time to and tune the, in and honor their time, maybe yeah. like honor their attention that they're willing to spend with you. That and, and and that's going to be different. There's some people who will never care about that 15 minute digression about some arcane aspect of radio transmitters. <laughs> and that you still, and you will have some part of your audience that is salivating where, where is at Paul the prospect. This, uh, specific <laughs> example from, yeah, it's um, that's true. It's it's really difficult for me to. I mean, it, the I think one of the reasons it was difficult for me to answer your question is it really isn't, um, generally speaking, a general idea. It's very specific and very case specific, and so every every voice and every interview is its own editing opportunity and I'm more just listening. I'm using my ears and then thinking about um, the powers that I have as an editor to remove things. I've done a lot of it and experimented in a lot of ways and then listened to what I did. The power. Yeah. And godlike power. Right. And with great power comes great responsibility. And that's what I wrote about in my essay. And what is that responsibility? Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, the, your guest, they, there's a um, there's a reason we call them guests, and we treat them like guests. And so you never want to uh, mess someone up, uh, make them sound dumb or different than how they had intended to sound. That's one way. I mean, there's so many different things because you can also, when you have the challenge of editing someone down to seven minutes, um, there's a lot of work to be done where it might be easier for you as an editor to make them sound dumb, but you have an obligation to to go with their full take, story. Take their smartest thing. And, yeah. and I think a perception I have is that listening to an interview and conducting an interview are very different, as my experience. As somebody conducting an interview, right, I am hearing the content of people's speech at a fairly high level, meaning... I'm not very sensitive in the moment mm-hmm. to the ums and and other things starting over stammers, right. etc. Well, or elliptical speech. I don't I don't want to cut out an um unless I'm trying to shave off. You know, if you go through an hour long interview and you cut out the average um, the it's average natural, amount then. of ums. Well, you can make it natural, but you're basically doing three hours of work to get the hour long interview about three minutes shorter. Right. Right. And so. Uh, what good did you do? 
who's who's who benefits right. from all these ums being removed. But as a listener, I'm a little more sensitive to some of the to ticks digressions and things a little just a little bit more Mm -hmm. and and i think part of that reason is as as an interviewer or you know just say in conversation with somebody you're not recording it right you are engaged in a slightly different way than as a listener because you're there isn't the same level of of immediate connection at the same time and you're thinking and responding right which is totally different than somebody just receiving right yeah, you're processing online. At the same time, though, a very natural conversation is also very engaging as oh, a yeah. listener. Always. When it feels not staged, when it feels like people are deeply in it. But I think listening to that and getting the sense for where do you want to go with your show? Are you looking for something super slick and punchy? Right. Because sometimes that's just what you need to do. Or do we want to let it breathe? Do we want it to feel more like a conversation? You know, it's even like listening to something like Terry Gross, listening to Fresh Air, where she tends to let things breathe, where there tends to be more space, where there tends to be the opportunity for, you know, and you know it's been edited, and you know it's even been tightly edited. Yeah, highly edited. But there's still a pace to it, um, as opposed to a short interview that might have to go into, um, into as, as, a, as a short, like, interest section in uh morning edition where there just is no time to for pacing we're just you know and they'll still try to make it sound like an interview they don't do a lot of them but it's going to be eight minutes maybe 12 minutes at most and and there's no time for that Um, but also it's what the listener is expecting if you're listening to all things considered in the afternoon you're not expecting to get 20 minutes or 30 minutes of something at a club i mean i think this is why not to change the subject away from editing, but I think this is why podcasts are valuable because I, I do, um, you know, it's my opinion as a listener. And I love how we were drifting off into sound studies land because I really, you know, all of our guests who've been on the Radio Survivor program recently to discuss sound studies, I think would have appreciated this idea that there's like a hidden sound. I mean, and, and radio producers can hear it and other people with, with trained ears, I suppose, listeners who care a lot about how things sound. Um, there's the sound of the of the NPR style interview versus the sound of um, your favorite podcast interview. And sometimes uh, the ways that they converge is really interesting or diverge. But it was like, what I was going to say is there was a real absence of a kind of honesty that was never on cable television or commercial radio. And... Um, some listeners to community radio stations might have been lucky enough to be aware of conversations yeah. like that. But I think the the most exciting thing that podcasts have brought us this decade is just more people having much more uh, real conversations with people that they're excited to talk to. And those are the great those are the great podcasts, and they don't necessarily need to be edited at all when um, when that energy is. Right. It's really it sparking. That's hard work. Yeah, we have so well, many more voices now. It's amazing. And that's that's a wonderful thing. And you are listening to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. You just heard the voice of Jennifer Waits, 
And before that, Eric Klein. My name is Paul Reese-Mandel. And we're, we're talking about the philosophies of editing for radio, for community radio, for podcasting, and sort of about about podcasting I just, in general. I want to apologize to the listeners for not being articulate about this particular subject in case uh, in case I tripped over my own words. The, the truth of the matter is it's really uh, not something I've put into words. It's something I just have done but you are. I think you I are. I did. I did my best. But the point being, uh, go read. Go read my article because I actually uh, was able to shut down the speaking voice that sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, uh, trips over itself or tries to contradict itself before it gets in its own way. And I was able to write clearly about what's going on uh, down below that in my brain when I do the editing work. And the nicest thing was it got it got a really nice response from people uh, other than my mother. So go to radiosurvivor.com <laughs> slash podcast and look for uh, the show notes for this episode. Or you can go right to radiosurvivor.com and find and just you can search on philosophies of editing and you'll find it right away. Radio Survivor is supported by Spinatron. Each week, Spinatron compiles a chart of the top 100 albums played on community and college radio stations. Artists, labels, and promoters can get access to the Spinatron database to track how their music is performing. Learn more at spinatron.com slash chart. That's S-P-I-N-I-T-R-O-N dot com slash chart. So Jennifer, you had a little bit of an admission, and you don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts. And I thought that it's great to discuss why. Yeah. I mean, I guess primarily because I mean, we're talking about the limits that we all have on our time and I listen to a lot of radio I like listening to live radio when I'm in the car and when I'm waking up in the morning I listen to music radio and I can go about my day getting things done while I'm listening to that and podcasts I feel like require more attention and and my more attentive focused leisure time listening downtime I probably watch TV hmm. more than I would choose to listen to a podcast. Jennifer Waits happens not to live, you know, I was thinking about the word like food deserts where people live out in, in weird poor suburbs that don't have grocery stores. And the Jennifer Waits' neighborhood is definitely not a radio desert. Yeah. There's a lot of good stations to choose from that you can get over the air there. In, oh, yeah. In San There's Francisco, a lot of great radio. California. Yeah, on, on the FM dial. Yeah. Not, on the not FM just dial. only on the internet. Jennifer, were you ever a talk radio listener? Whether it, you know, so not necessarily Rush Limbaugh, but even NPR style or, or other styles of talk radio? Not really. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a music radio listener. You know, when I was a kid listening to commercial radio, I would listen to the morning, morning radio shows like Alex Bennett was on. Um, I know nothing of Alex Bennett. The Quake. And so that it's a rock. And Live 105. Rock radio. And so he, yeah. he had sort of a comedy-focused morning show, so he'd have local comedians. Like a morning national... zoo format kind of? No. I mean, he was more intellectual. Um, oh. He wasn't a shock jock kind of guy. Okay. Um, so, so I would listen to that when I was a kid and a teenager. And, and then... At a certain point, I became solely a college radio listener, and and there's just not as much of that on the college radio stations that I listen to, so I'm not listening to that many talk shows on college radio. And I want to say that you were listening to college radio in your youth 
in a truly golden age. Is that fair? <laughs> we could we could spend an entire episode talking about is there a golden age of ra- college radio? <laughs> but what I'm what I'm it is what at I least think I mean a is golden age. Is this there was a moment and I you know I want you to 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 push back if I if I go too far. But <laughs> I the the way I understand college radio is there really was an important moment where you know people were listening to the radio all over the the commercial the, this is prior to this uh decimation of the variety of radio that we were talking about earlier today when we were um uh heaping scorn upon iHeartRadio and Clear Channel but there was a moment where uh, college radio DJs were innovating sounds and bringing new listeners to new records in a way that um broke out artists and 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 built new fan bases for for, for people now that you'd be surprised to find out that they weren't getting played on commercial yeah. pop radio. I mean, yeah, that, that definitely gets attributed to the 1980s, that scenario. Uh, you know, artists are still being discovered through college radio today. It's a completely different music landscape right now. So it's sort of hard to compare because it, it's just a very different situation with the internet to begin with. People can learn about music simultaneously all over the country. And and it was different. It was different back then. Yeah. So, so I want to push though a little bit on this sort of uh, back to podcasts here, because <laughs> I guess I have a question is, have you, I mean, have you tried much to listen to podcasts? Cause like what I know about podcast listening um, is that, you know, many people do it, you know, uh, during other activities. So they do it during driving, uh, things like housework, folding, yard work, exercising, doing the dishes, you know, um, or just walking active trans transportation, as we call it. Um, you know, that's a huge site of podcast listening. I know I'm, I'm really strange. Um, when I'm in, when I'm in the car, I feel like I'm cheating if I'm not listening to live local yeah. radio. Again, so you have you have a moral commitment, but to also it. so much good radio. I think is part of it. Like, you know, well, it, yeah, there's so much good. There's so much interesting non-commercial radio in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, so real density. I can flip around. Um, we have satellite radio oh. also in the car, and and often with the entire family, we'll listen to that. And I always am feeling like this tick, like you know. I feel really guilty that we're even listening to this because we should be listening to something that's live right nearby. Um, That's great. And is there something, I mean, often people get into podcasting because, you know, podcasting at its start and even today isn't really siphoning from talk radio. Mm -hmm. It seems as though people get into podcasting because either there are podcasts that happen to cater to their interests, things that they just, they're undeniable. Right. Or, you know, somebody turns them on to something, you know, so it, it comes by word of mouth and somebody, you know, hounds, almost hounds of somebody else into like, you know, you really got to listen to this. Yeah, uh, you if know. you want to get any of my jokes. Right. You, you know, because it's also it. a bit of a, a cultural zeitgeist depending on, on, you know, where you are who you are, right. what your friends are yeah, like. Yeah, I, I could see, you know, and and when, especially if we're on a road trip and listening to different stations, I do get sucked into, you know, various audio stories that could be considered to be podcast-like. Um, like a This American Life kind of thing or, or something yeah. else. Yeah, and, 
and I and I definitely get drawn in. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about the times when people might listen when they're doing housework or walking. When I was younger, I would walk to work carrying my disc man and listen to, you know, CDs on my way to work. Mm-hmm. And um, in my older years, I like to walk just listening to my surroundings. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm less apt to plug in like everybody else around me is plugged into things. But... And yet you're a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I know. It's so interesting too. Cause and, and me... I, I, don't, so, I listen to our podcast and I listen to That's a lot our guests podcast. And I don't mean, and, and, and actually, I mean, so I don't mean to shame you here. I think this is one of the fundamental challenges that we, that we is in the three of us and, and Matthew have with, with doing radio survivor. In that we, you know, this is about the love of radio and sound. It's for people who love radios, for people who make radios, for people who make podcasting and love podcasting. And these are all people who have so much sound in their lives yeah. that they barely have time yeah. to add something else yeah. or, to, or, or, or to dedicate that attention. The, the thing we were talking like, about. I like quiet, too. Yeah. So I guess. Quiet? It, it was a real surprise to me, but no surprise to anyone who works in a radio station just how little time radio station workers have to listen mm-hmm. to the radio. Yeah. They're doing they're they're working on making radio that doesn't mean they can necessarily devote very many hours of the day to listening to their own radio station. And so well, I do yeah. I do listen to KFJC a lot, right. the station where I DJ. Um, right, you can be loyal to one. You so only get I one stream at a time. I consume a lot of that station. Yeah, which I love. Um, it makes you the expert makes you uh, your communities like yeah you know and i think most people most people at kfjc listen to a lot of kfjc so it's there th- that's a community aspect of being part of a station like that is you know people will talk to you like oh i heard your show last night and you know it, and and there's something really cool about being in a community of people yeah. making radio at the same place and commenting on what you're doing and, and, and podcasting is like that as well i mean people congregate in right. fan in, in if you're fan, lucky if fan you're a lucky podcaster. around around po- around podcasts it, but i have a question for you jennifer you're listening to kfj's kfjc the station where you dj is that attentive listening is it is it, it, it or a mix of that in passive listening meaning it's background yeah i mean it's um yeah it's probably more background and which for me, I can do that with music, so yeah. I can walk in and out of the room and so I'm I think waking people up. do that with podcasting. That's what I'm figuring out. Yeah, like I mean, certainly we like to think everyone's hanging on our every word, but we all know that that's just never the case um, with with just about anything. And in the same way that many people have the television on much of the day, and and they may be sitting there watching intently for a while, but a lot of things, and especially a lot of daytime television, is specifically program to be something that you can kind of graze yeah the and morning walk in and out oh yeah that's or um, afternoon yeah when um not me guys. when i was teaching popular culture in grad school i i had my students watch an episode of a soap opera in class attentively and it was just really uh challenging for people because soap operas are designed for distracted listening or distracted watching yeah yeah right. and the audio is the most important part so you don't even have to be looking at the TV yeah. because most of the story is told through the audio. So it, it totally fits for people who might be home 
during the day, eating lunch, doing housework, whatever, you can still, and things get repeated over and over on soap operas. So it's rather painful to sit in a classroom and have Hmm. to watch a whole episode. Is there something, Jennifer, that would make you want to listen to either a podcast or more podcasts? Like, is there something about your, about your current regime, your habits, your diet that is, that is fungible at this point? Or are you, are you fairly set in your ways? <laughs> I'm gonna, I, Paul, I think Paul owes you a couple of bucks if you answer this question. Really. <laughs> no, this, is all, this is market research for Radio Survivor. Okay. So this is, believe um, me, I mean, you know, granted, I do market research for a podcasting company, but I, I have surveys for that. Because <laughs> Jennifer is, is, is our target audience. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I see what you mean. I mean, I mean, this is the hard question, right? Some, so my husband listens to the Radio Survivor show while he's making dinner, and he's Thank the you. he's the person who cooks in our house. So I can see how that would be like if I started cooking for my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's a time. Yeah, when that's I my would, podcast time. Yeah, you know, because that makes sense. Like you're in the kitchen, you're pretty much in the same room, and you can. You can focus, but you have this kind of period of time, um, you know, because when I'm writing throughout the day, that's not a good time for me to listen to podcasts yeah. that require me to be paying attention. No, I can't listen to podcasts and write. That's correct. Who can? I so people do. I mean, some of it is really just a math problem of where where is the time? I suppose I could start listening to things while I'm walking, and it's really sort of finding... Yeah, I mean, getting suggestions from a trusted friend, you know, what are some of the things that I would like? I mean, you just heard about some amazing radio drama podcasts uh, just a week or two ago. I know. Speaking of, but those shows are extremely focus necessary. I think it's, but I think it would be a good experiment to just try it. like, Like a book. Like you can't sort of, like if I'm, if I'm reading a book and my mind wanders, I need to go back to the page I just Sure. I need to reread that page. I would never want a wandering mind while listening to to these radio. I, would, drama I think podcasts. it would be a good experiment to see how that goes. Some people might. Some people might be able to pull yeah. it off. You are listening to Radio Survivor. That was Eric Klein. With us is also Jennifer Waits, and we are here for the love of radio and sound. What do you think about it? We'd like to know what what do you think about your podcast or radio diet? Do you listen to podcasts? Are you hearing us on the radio? Do you make time for Radio Survivor? Do you sort of hunt and peck and uh, and just pick out the episodes that seem interesting? We'll forgive you. We understand. <laughs> so listen, we're not here to shame you. We, we we really love to have some feedback. That's good. In general, <laughs> send us an email. Yeah. Podcast at radiosurvivor.com or you can comment on this. They'll be posted to Facebook or on Twitter. We'd love to hear, you know, how do you how do you fit this in into a world in which there are hundreds and thousands of different channels competing for your attention? We'd, we'd love to hear more. Um, I think it's now time for us to shift the topic entirely and talk a little bit about high school radio because Jennifer had an opportunity to go visit stations in Seattle in the Puget Sound area and learn one, there's a lot of them, comparatively speaking, for, for any given metro area. And Jennifer, I mean, you also found out that they're kind of networked together. Like they're not just uh, they're not just uh, individual desert islands out there in, in the Puget Sound. Yeah, I mean, high school radio is sort of this hidden part of the radio dial. And there are also streaming stations, too. But 
you know, in any given community, you'll be lucky to find a high school radio station. So often they don't really have companions on the dial in their region. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was very interesting to plan for a trip that I had to Seattle and, and count, count out three stations that I wanted to visit in one day and then learn later that, you know, there could be six or more stations in the Seattle area. So that's, Six or more high school radio stations yeah. In, yeah. in one city. And many cities, they're lucky to have one college station, for yeah. Pete's sake. Right. Um, and, 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 and you did find out that they are sort of formally networked, right? Like there is some, like not only are there, do they have compatriots, but they know about each other. And there seems to be some level of cooperation. Is it, Am I getting Yeah, right? you know, so I heard that, um, that they seem to get together regularly uh, for, you know, conference type events and they have a listserv and that there are also some high school radio awards that that cover the state of Washington. Wow, mm. high school radio awards. So yeah. much more interesting than iHeartRadio's podcast awards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. I thought this was fascinating. So you one of the first ones you visited it, it has a format which I and, and which which I'm not sure is always the case. Although sometimes you know you find college and high school stations that sort of follow kind of a top forty-ish format, which sure it's a format. But this one has an interesting format. Yeah. So on on a crazy day where I visited five radio stations in one day, which I mean that would be an interesting podcast in and of itself, like how I am able to see five stations in one day. I started at Nathan Hale High School in Seattle. And their radio station, KNHC-FM, it goes by the name C89.5, and it has a dance music format, which now I'm learning is unusual for all of FM radio, you know, let alone for non-commercial radio and let alone for high school radio. So it's, it's sort of triply unique in the fact that it's a dance music station at a high school radio and are we talking we're talking like electronic dance music so we're mm-hmm. talking not yeah, just electronic. only about what's pop but also sort of more expansive in the genre yeah it's a, it's a variety so mm-hmm. so during during the weekday midday it tends to be you know sort of mainstreamish dance electronic music but late night hours and on the weekends they have some more specialty shows so some more underground music gets played and they have mixed shows. Hmm. So it's kind of all over the place. If you look at the entire schedule, which is, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's one of these, it's one of these things. There have been dance music formats over the years. I remember very distinctly a station in, in New York city in the eighties and nineties, uh, KTU 92 KTU WKTU, uh, you know, and certainly it, 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 a lot of hip hop and a lot of, you know, pop music was represented, but definitely dance oriented. Um, but yeah, they don't seem to exist. It seems, you know, many pop stations have dance night Friday and Saturday nights. Right. They will be, they will be dance music shows sometimes right. live from a club somewhere, but otherwise, you know, they'll have actual DJs and many community and college stations have individual shows, but yeah, as a full format, you're right. It's it's really it's really not too common anymore. Yeah, it's fascinating. Do you know why they chose a dance format? Did you get any history on that? I don't know. That's yeah, that's interesting. I don't know why they made that switch. Um, and Jennifer, it the one of the things that's exciting about high school radio is that it's the DJs are high school students, 
how does it work? I mean, are they take is this part of a class? Are they taking time out? Yeah. So at um, at KNHC, it's professionally run, and the professional folks there oversee students who they're training. So there are radio classes that they take, and and say during the morning show, you'll have a student on the air who is talking alongside um, a more professional type DJ. So yeah, so it's an interesting, and there there are around 100 students involved. So they're very much, students are very much ever present there, but it's run professionally. Wow, that's a really exciting opportunity for high school students. I'm, uh, I guess I'm jealous, both uh, of my high school experience, but also, uh, you know, there's a scant opportunity for other students. I'm thinking about my own students' high school experience is probably not going to include the opportunity to be to be on the air at your high school station. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, every time I visit a high school radio station, I'm very jealous, like, uh, retroactively yeah. <laughs> at the experience that students have had. Um, one interesting thing about, about the station at Nathan Hale High School is that Back in 2008, the station brought Lady Gaga in to perform at one of their listener appreciation parties. And so this was very early in Lady Gaga's career. So it was a small, kind of a small audience to see her in an auditorium at the high school. She, so She must have been in high school herself at that moment, says she's the pretty, old man. On, pretty on the pretty young at that today. point. And, you know, they have a signed photo of her on the wall. So they're very proud of that. Um and Jennifer, you also went to another station where uh, the radio station is integrated into into curriculum, right? Into basically yeah. career and technical education. Yeah. And, well, in fact, all three stations that I visited that day in the Seattle area, all three of them are related to, they all have um, a connection with the curriculum at the school. So KASB in Bellevue, Washington, at Bellevue High School. It's another FM station. It's part of the career and technical education program at that school. And and I've seen this before. This station is part of a, a broader program with television and film production and photography. Mm. So the, the teacher, Brad Conger, wears a lot of hats. I'm Brad Conger. I teach radio at uh, Bellevue High School on KASB 89.9. So we're sitting in the in the studio now. Can you um, kind of walk me through the studio, describe mm-hmm. what we're seeing in here? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, we've got our, our board here when we first designed this studio in 2012. So this is a new studio. There has been two previous studios here at Bellevue High over the years, since 74. We set up right outside of the main hallway so that um, students could see in and be a part of the school, which is something that we haven't had in any of the previous studios. So we took the opportunity to get uh, uh, a room that is right off um, the outside hall. And I made sure that we have an outside door so that my students can access it um, when I'm not here and the classroom is locked. So they come in and they can do their uh, talk shows and things. Um, anytime they want, um, really, as long as they've got access to the school building. The station is right next to a television production studio. Mm. So it's all sort of in the same space. So some of the rooms are multi-purpose, where you could be doing 
video editing or audio editing. Cool. So that's kind of an interesting um, aspect to it. At, at that station, something that I loved was that the teacher asked every student to design a promotional poster or flyer for their show. And so the studio that's great. walls are covered with these handcrafted, most of them are done on a computer. Sure. So they, they look pretty professional too. Um, but all these unique little signs for everybody's show. So you get like a really interesting glimpse at the types of programs that students have been doing. That's wonderful. I think uh, making a promo poster ought to be just required at every community college or high school radio station. It's, it's a great way to, to – it, it still works. It, mm. It's still a great way to, to, to promote what you do and a great creative outlook. And then yeah. you, and you hopped on over to Mercer Island because, you know, yeah, the I was all Sound the area, there's a lot of islands throughout yes. there where people live. I, I crossed a lot of bridges. So KMIH, the bridge at Mercer Island High School – uh, General Manager Joe Bryant showed me around. So what's the format of the station? You know, if you're tuning in throughout the school day, what might you hear? You would hear, well, you hear our students, and I can show you, it's uh, music and conversation that spans generations. Now, what does that mean? That means that I, myself, and a uh, now 19-year-old built this format. Uh, we flipped on January 31st, 2017, which happened to be her birthday, from a hot jams format, which was mostly a uh, uh, top 40 kind of thing, uh, to what we call 88.9 The Bridge. What we play is a hybrid of everything from Bob Seger, Katmandu, to the Arcade Fire, Put Your Money on Me. I'm just looking at a, a typical hour. The one thing we do is we super serve the local music community by playing something from the Northwest every single hour. And uh, we did a lot of Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Jimi Hendrix, but what I want more of is Naked Giants and Exopsis and Aaron Jones and, and the next wave of Seattle music. And that's what we're working on launching here is giving a platform for all these young artists that can't get their music on other places. We, put, we feature that here. And he used to be a commercial radio DJ for like 25 years and has been really excited to now be teaching and, and growing this program. He's also the assistant badminton coach, which is kind of a nod <laughs> to like how much you have to do sometimes when you're a high school teacher. Yeah, it's a labor of love. Yeah. Um, so their station has, they created like a new format for the station that I don't completely understand. Um, it used to be a hot jams format and now it's a, a format that they call the bridge, which is sort of bridging together a number of genres, including local music. So they play a lot of music from the Seattle area and even from Mercer Island. So every hour they're they're playing some That's artists cool. from the local area. And, and, then, but, and, the, and, what, and so what other genres are they mixing in with that then? So, I mean, it's a variety of things, like um, definitely a lot of rock. It's probably mostly rock and pop. Grunge music. Grunge, rock. Alice in Chains, Jimi Hendrix, So, so Arcade part of the idea Fire. is maybe they hook you with the uh, Alice in Chains and you stick around to hear the new upcoming artists from Mercer Island or Seattle. Exactly, yeah. Um, when I got there, there was a student who was recording a show for the National High School Radio Network show, which I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but mm, it's no. every Wednesday 
There are a number of high school stations all over the country that are part of this network, and they alternate. And so each Wednesday, a different station does the show, and it gets carried by the other stations all over the country. The National and, and High it, School Radio Network. So we need yeah. that, 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 that's, a, that's an interview there, Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> Pull that's back fantastic. the curtains, listen to us produce the radio show. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's wonderful to see that uh, – the high school radio in particular is vibrant and strong in Seattle, which also has it's just a vibrant and strong non-commercial radio scene altogether. Public radio, community radio, college radio, you know, and, and I think it, it proves the point, I think. And it, it, it's a point that, that people have been making now for a little while that more non-commercial radio tends to grow non-commercial radio. In the past, people have worried. We had more. If we were going to have more right. low-power FMs or more community radio stations in the area, they're going to compete. We're all going to be competing for listeners and and donations, and and you know there'll be winners and losers. And the way it turns out, actually, is no. It just it just whets people's appetite for something more interesting, different, less uh, homogenized, more dynamic, and more connected to the community. And it tends to grow listenership for for uh, and interest. Right. Because, you know, you have here hundreds of high school students engaged in making radio in the era in which radio is supposed to be dead. I know. Yeah. It's uh, it's very inspiring, very inspiring to visit high school radio stations. And and three in one day was just an amazing treat. (laughs) Jennifer, you are intrepid, (laughs) I will say. Yes. Yes. By the end of the day, people were offering me granola bars and <laughs> gotta keep, keep, <laughs> keep your blood sugar up yes <laughs> it's a lot of high school you didn't you didn't hit the cafeteria i guess <laughs> nope i had to go to another station so that's right you know well thank you again jennifer for taking these tours uh we'll have links to all these radio stations and our show notes go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast and that's of course where you can find all of our episodes including recent episodes where we learned all about some fascinating radio drama and the history of radio drama um, as well you can learn about sound studies yeah that episode was a sound studies episode if i do say so myself yeah pretty yep. much verma is definitely uh and you know radio and, and, survivor may very well be blending itself into a sound studies uh, the more we're here the for more the love I, of radio and sound the man. more i learn the more yes. i the more i want to share about about how, how our ears work. And another radio tour of a, of a fantastic college station, KDVS. So there's lots more there. If you didn't catch it uh, the first time around in your podcast feed or on the radio, go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. We are a listener and reader supported enterprise. To learn more about how to help keep us doing what we do, go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your philosophies. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for the tours and for joining in and, and being willing to be our uh, part of our focus group on podcast listening. Oh, my God. I feel so much shame. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. No shame. And we... You're using your ears wisely. Indeed. And thank you all for spending another hour with us. <laughs>